If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Gospel series, The Parables of Jesus, The Unmerciful Servant, found in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 35. The theme is about the forgiveness in God's kingdom is unlimited or it's nothing at all. The context is Peter had asked the Lord, how many times should we forgive our brother and sister? In verse 21 to 22. Let's start reading in Matthew 18, verse 23. Jesus said, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. First, let's look at what just preceded this parable with Peter's question on forgiveness, which by the way was an excellent question 
And Jesus, of course, provided a brilliant answer. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister when they sin against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Rabbinic teaching based on Amos chapter 1 verse 3 and Job 33 verse 29 to 30 dictated that the moral obligation to forgive was limited to just three times in a lifetime. Peter was being generous and expanded it to seven. Jesus takes forgiveness to the next level, 490 times, in one day of course. In other words, so many times we lose count. Jesus was talking about forgiveness without limit. Forgiveness is a real stretch for people's sense of justice and perceived wrongs. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 through 5. The unimaginable debt. Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. In Jesus' parable, the king mentioned here is God the Father, according to verse 35. The debt to be settled is a debt of sin against God, which Jesus uses money to illustrate this. The man in question had a debt of 10,000 talents, which is an unimaginable amount of debt. 10,000 talents is worth about 150,000 years of wages. That's an incredible amount. So we're talking about $2,250,000,000. The point Jesus was making is that the sins of an individual against God amounts to a debt that can't be possibly paid by the person who committed them. Sin is spiritual crime, and the punishment for just one sin is eternal death, according to Romans 3.23 and chapter 6, verse 23. How many do we commit in a lifetime? 10,000 talents worth is what Jesus is saying. It is impossible for a person to save themselves. When we do the crime, we have to do the time. Unless, of course, someone who lived the perfect life on earth dies for us on our behalf. Hebrews 4.15 In Mark chapter 10, verse 26, it states, The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to wash my sins away. God is a holy and just God, and the punishment for sin must be paid by someone. So we have a choice. Spend eternity in the lake of fire and suffer for our sins, or accept Jesus' perfect substitution for our sin on our behalf. Accept his right standing with God and go free. Matthew 20, 28. John chapter 1, verse 29. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Hebrews 9 verse 26, 1 John chapter 2 verse 2. We cannot fathom the weight of sin Jesus carried on the cross, the sins of all humanity. So the persistent and all-important question we must all answer, what will we do with Jesus? John chapter 8 verse 24. Jesus said, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Forgiveness, the gift of God. So let's continue reading in Matthew 18, verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. 
the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Prior to the 18th century, debtors' prisons were a common way to deal with unpaid debt. In medieval Europe, debtors, both men and women, were locked up together in a single large cell until their families paid their debt. Sadly, debt prisoners often died of disease contracted from other debt prisoners. Conditions include starvation and abuse from other prisoners. If the father of a family was imprisoned for debt, the family business often suffered while the mother and children fell into poverty. Unable to pay the debt, the father often remained in debtor's prison for many years. Oftentimes, family members were sold into slavery to pay their debts. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1-7 through The man did the smart thing and begged for forgiveness. This is also the smart thing for sinful people to do today as well. Why pay for your sins when Jesus already paid for them? Not by our own good deeds, but by God's grace. Romans chapter 4 verse 2 through 8, chapter 9 verse 30 through 33, chapter 11 verse 6, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. Thank God for his amazing grace. The only thing we deserve is an eternity in hell. I love Psalms 103 verse 3, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. In his unfailing love and mercy, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Even as Christians, when we miss it today, God will forgive us of our sins according to 1 John 1 9. Psalms 103 verse 8 The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. The man in this parable incurred forgiveness from his master through an act of repentance. To repent is to beg for mercy and turn from the sin. John 8 verse 11, Acts 26 verse 20, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. For the sinner, repentance is a matter of the heart in response to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 6 verse 65, chapter 16 verse 5 through 11. Joel chapter 2 verse 13 states, Rend your heart and not your garments. Turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Repentance is our special response to hearing the gospel message, turning to God. Acts chapter 3 verse 19, chapter 20 verse 21, and Luke chapter 24 verse 47 to 48, and Acts chapter 5 verse 31. Having a repentant heart is to continue as believers, not in condemnation, according to Romans 8.1. I like what it says in Acts 17.30. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, adultery, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all mankind by raising him from the dead. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So when this recently forgiven servant goes out and finds another servant, another person, who had wronged him and consequently owed him a debt, what was his response? Matthew 18 verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay that debt. 
What is amazing here is that this servant had just been forgiven of an unimaginable debt. Another servant happens to owe him a hundred denarii, a fraction of the amount that was just forgiven. A silver denarius coin in Roman times was equivalent to one day's wages for a common laborer. So its value with respect to bread is estimated to be about $20 in the early empire. Based on this estimate, a hundred denarii would have been equal to four months of pay or $2,000. James 2 verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This man in the parable was not merciful to his fellow servant. In fact, the servant with the small debt sought forgiveness using basically the same wording as the first servant, but to no avail. No matter how hurtful the offense was, nothing compares to how we had offended God. Therefore, there is never any excuse to not forgive and try and restore others into fellowship. Consider the Apostle Paul. He murdered Christians before his conversion, and yet God forgave him and used him mightily in the ministry. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Luke 17, verse 3. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I know whoever is reading this is probably thinking right now, what about those who abuse this grace and mercy as a license to keep on sinning and taking advantage of other people? Restoring trust in a relationship that was violated requires true repentance on behalf of the offender. If they are abusing grace, then the condition of true repentance is not being met, is it? Jude verse 4, Hebrews 6 verse 1, in which case restoration cannot be made until there is a true rending of the heart to change. The key is not to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness, which is a cancer to the soul. Romans 12 verse 18 and Hebrews 12 verse 15. Unforgiveness results in judgment. Matthew 18 verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Since there is never a justification to hold unforgiveness against anyone, so to do so is sin. Consider what those sinful men in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 through 4 had done to Jesus and what was his response. In Luke 23 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Not even God holds unforgiveness against humanity, so who are we to think that we can? Technically speaking, Jesus has already paid the price for every sin ever committed by any human being. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 27, chapter 9 verse 26, chapter 10 verse 10, 1 Peter 3.18. So the only sin left that sent people to hell is rejecting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. John 3 verse 34, 
Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. The Holy Spirit convicts the lost of only one sin, according to John chapter 16, verse 9. That's the sin of not believing in and rejecting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. 2 Corinthians 5.18 All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now there's a concept in the scripture that we see called being turned over for judgment. So what happens to Christians when they persist in the sin of unforgiveness? They are turned over to Satan to be tortured until they repent. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 through 5 and 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 20. We see in scripture that God gives his people a season of repentance to change before he is obligated to turn them over to the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, to be judged. Job chapter 1 verse 6 through 12, Revelation 12 verse 10 through 11, in chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. The enemy wants us turned over to him in order to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. John 10, 10. The scripture tells us to judge ourselves when we are not walking in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 to 34. Disobedience opens the door to the enemy to attack us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 11. Ephesians 4, verse 26. When God's people fail to repent, Old and New Testament, and force God's hand to judge them, God, in course, turns them over to the devil who is waiting to have access to them. There are numerous scriptures concerning the children of Israel where God gave them over to their enemies due to their persistence in sin and rebellion. They left God with no other choice. Otherwise, God would be condoning sin. Psalm 78, verse 61 to 62, Judges chapter 2, verse 14 to 15, Jeremiah 22.25, Hebrews 13.4 So to be judged by the Lord is to allow Satan to oppress the unrepentant, disobedient Christian. The moment we repent, judging ourselves and doing the right thing, God's deliverance comes. God takes no pleasure in turning people over to the enemy for judgment. So if it grieves him to judge folks, why does he do it? Because he is our righteous judge of the universe. God judged our sin in Jesus Christ and poured out his wrath on him so we could go free. In this way, God satisfied his perfect holiness, and we get to go free if we accept his great offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. A New Covenant Mandate to Forgive Matthew 18.35 This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Forgiveness of sin is at the heart of Scripture an expression of God's great love for us, John 3.16. We are love children of a love God, born of love, God's nature within us, Romans 5.5 and 1 John 4.8. Spiritual maturity is measured by our love walk, being more like Jesus, Ephesians 5.1-2, 1 John 2.6. At the core of sin is pride and selfishness. To not walk in love is to be earthly, 1 Corinthians 3.1-4. The God kind of love is supernatural, referred to as agape in the Greek. That is the God kind of love that lives within us through the new birth. Natural human love of sinners and carnal Christians is selfish at its core and can turn to hatred in a moment. Matthew 6 verse 14 For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. John 13 34 
Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 15 verse 12, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 1 John 3.16 This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So how are we to love one another? Unlike the Old Testament standard of love your neighbor as yourself, found in Leviticus 19.18, Jesus raises the bar to love each other as he loves us, to actually lay down our lives for each other. Colossians 3 verse 13 says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And also 1 John 3.23 God is not unjust. He gives us more grace in the new covenant to obey this command. As a matter of fact, to walk in love is to never sin. Romans chapter 13 verse 8 through 10, 2 John verse 6, James 3 verse 2. The Lord wants us to restore and look after each other. Galatians 6 verse 1 through 2, James chapter 5 verse 19 to 20, 1 John 5:16. A good rule of thumb is to be quick to forgive and quick to repent. Mark 11:25 and Luke 11 verse 4. Remember that unforgiveness always makes us a prisoner. Romans 12:18, Hebrews 12 verse 14. When God forgives us, he forgets it, and so should we by faith. Galatians 5:6. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 states, "For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more." God bless. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life Study Series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's Word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.